Welcome to Orchard Hill Church. Welcome to the gathering service. God is here in this house and God is good. Let's stand and worship.
feels increasingly chaotic and out of control. We gather this morning unified in hope and faith. One church, multiple locations, Lincoln Center, Grundy Center, the Cedar Valley, college students, visitors, people who are here because they're curious about Orchard Hill Church. We are all here this morning to worship the one true God, the God who is, the God who was, and the God who is to come, the God who holds all things in his hands. This is our primary call as God's church to know him, to worship him, to live for him, and to bring him glory. The psalmist writes, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth or ever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Take a look around you this morning. See your brothers and sisters in Christ, the church, earthly, visible. And this morning as we focus on the truth that what we can see is merely temporary, but what we cannot see is eternal, may we remember that worship does not originate with us, nor does it end with us. We are simply joining our hearts and minds and voices with those who have worshipped God from the beginning of time, with those who will worship God for all eternity. This morning we are joining with the unseen choir and the saints of heaven. So in Christ alone, both now and in eternity, with our hearts joined together as one body, let us continue to worship God. Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace, when fears are still and striving cease, my comforter. Oh, I 
Once again, welcome to Orchard Hill Church here at the Gathering Services on UNI campus. My name is Tim Walston. I'm the worship music director here, and this is uh, Kelly Lance. She uh, is our junior high director. Um, guys, a lot of amazing things. Thank you for being here. It's a privilege. It's an opportunity that we may gather in his name here on the UNI campus and worship our great God. He is awesome. So thanks again for being here. We're excited. We got started a hair late, but it's all good. Uh, timeless. It's, there's no sense of time in God's eyes, so it's an amazing thing. No. Hey, at this time, before we get uh, going much farther, I'm going to invite the ushers and the greeters to go ahead and start collecting the offering. If you came prepared to give this morning, uh, we just ask that you continue. May that be a continuation of your act of worship, a response to God. And if you're a guest or visitor, if you did not come prepared to give, maybe you're a broke college student already, that's a-okay. Allow the, the bucket to pass on by this morning. Um, one important thing, we know that there's a lot of people visiting this morning, guests, family. Um, I'm guessing there's also maybe some uh, students, college-age students that are attending here for the first time. So special welcome to you guys. And we want to invite you, um, if you have any questions, uh, if you're wondering like how to get plugged in, learn more about Orchard Hill and the various ministries that are going on, we want to invite you to meet our face-to-face -face team. And they are out in the atrium, out in the lobby after this service, um, after all of our services at all of our campuses. We have an amazing team of people that will share about uh, who Orchard is, our mission, um, some of the ministry opportunities and how to get more information or get plugged in. So be sure to check that out face-to-face -face team. That's one thing to do. And also, one of my favorite things about the gathering is that it literally is a gathering of all of us. We are at Orchard. We are one church in several locations. And what is so beautiful about today is that we have come together Absolutely. to worship God together. And that is a beautiful thing to witness. But if you're wondering about what time our services are at, at our different locations, in your bulletin has all our times. But if you, like, leave your bulletin here or accidentally throw it away, I mean, I don't know why you would. But there's also a website that you can go on to and find that same information. It's orchardhillchurch.org. And again, face-to-face -face would also answer those questions. Exactly. Now, Kelly, chaos, that's the ministry that you lead. That kicks up this week, right? That kicks up this week. Wednesday night. There's a lot of things kicking up. I love this gathering here at campus because it reminds me of fall, football, Friday night lights are here. But really, like all of our fall ministries, that some of them take a break for the summer, they are back and up and running this week. So inside your bulletin, open that up. There's a little tab in there, and it shows all the different things that are kicking back up this week or the next week. And so uh, we invite you, it's actually perforated so you can rip that off and put it up on your refrigerator, in your bathroom mirror, on your dashboard of your car, maybe the window in the car, I don't know, whatever place. All that's good gonna, places, all, all good, good places. places. Whatever's going to help you remember um, some of the important things that are kicking off. And don't forget, you can find out more details and uh, more information about those ministries online, as well as Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat and all those things, right? All those things. Gram it, post it, like it, share it, love it, heart it. 
Yep. Yes. Yeah. All those things are good Kelly, things what to else, do. what else do we have Something going else on? kicking off is we have um, our college ministry. So I'm going to invite Carla Chestnut. She is one of our college ministry directors here. And our college ministry is called BASIC. And it actually happens on campus at Lang Hall every Thursday night at 8 p.m. I've already been to the kickoff. It is an amazing thing to witness. Um, but Carla also has some more information to share with us about college students. Thank you, Kelly. Thank you, Tim. Good morning, everyone. Like Kelly said, my name is Carla Chestnut, and I get to lead college age ministry around Orchard with Carter Moore and with a new partner, Rachel Danley from InterVarsity. We're super excited about the kickoff. We've already met some really fun people. We would love to get college age people involved. We have our large group, like Kelly said, on Thursday night in Lang Hall, but we also have lots of smaller group activities and ways for you to get connected. So talk to us at the table after uh, in the lobby and all college age people are invited to lunch on the lawn and it's free so that's right outside on the lawn after the service that's awesome thanks so much carla kelly could you lead us in a prayer before we get going i would love to let's pray dear jesus i just thank you so much that we have the opportunity and the freedom that we can come together as one body united to praise and worship your name God, we are here for one reason, because we were sinners stuck in our sin, and you decided that you did not want to keep us there, but you came and you took it away so that we could be with you, so that we would have a heart of praise to thank you, and that we would have the motivation, the courage, and the boldness to tell others about this amazing gift. God, thank you so much for today. Thank you for the people here. As we continue with this worship by learning more about your word and what your word has for us, I pray that you open our hearts and speak to each one of us, whatever you want us to know, and that we would cling on to that, Lord, and leave with that. And maybe maybe filled today with your love and your glory, with this determination to make your name known, because only you, God, can change lives, and it's so amazing that we could be a part of it. We thank you, and we love you for who you are and what you have done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks, Kelly. Thanks, Carla. Thanks, Tim. Well, good morning. I'd like to extend my welcome, especially to our guests and visitors who are here this morning. My name is Jeff Mickey. I'm on staff here at Orchard Church. And I want to say I get to sit up here up front uh, for these services and just listen. Uh, this is a tremendous facility, a great place to worship. You guys sound absolutely amazing. So keep bringing that worship. It's awesome. It's really cool to be a part of. Um, it's also my great privilege and honor at this time to be able to invite Ed and Sally Baker to join me on stage as we pay tribute and celebrate uh, some great ministry. Ed, um, if some of you know, uh, retired officially from Orchard Hill Church uh, just last Monday. So he's had almost a whole week off of retirement to celebrate. Uh, 33 years of, of ministry, uh, maybe more than that, but we're celebrating the 33 good years because nobody knows exactly how many years it was. Um, And we had a great opportunity to celebrate with Ed and Sally late last fall at our annual congregational uh, celebration. But we realized we haven't done that on a Sunday morning yet. And uh, we really wanted to do that. We also believe doing it again is actually a biblical thing to do. Um, They are actually worthy of double honor. Paul actually gives us these instructions in his his, uh, letter to Timothy. He tells us this. He says, um, Let the elders who rule well... Be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and in teaching. Um, so Paul, Paul's basically telling us, let's honor those people who are old. Just saying. <laughs> Sally's birthday today, so, you know, a little, little bit older. 
But more importantly, let's honor those people. Let's give them double honor, those who have labored well for the Lord, those who are preachers and teachers, and people who have maximized and exceeded all of the God-given potential and giftedness that they've been given. And really, that's, that's who Ed and Sally are. You know, it's, it's sometimes you get gifted and your church is blessed with one person who has the gift of teaching and the gift of communication, the gift of wisdom and insight. But we've been blessed with two people who have encouraged us and helped us grow as a church and walked with us and led us for over 33 years. Sometimes one of those marries another one, you get like this super elder. So they're worthy of like four times the honor. So we wanted to do that this morning as a church body. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to get up on our feet and we're going to make as much noise as we possibly can to show them how much we appreciate them and give them the honor they deserve. So everybody on your feet, let's make some noise for Ed and Sally Baker. All right, that's enough honor. <laughs> you can be seated. This can go on all day. I want to say a prayer for Ed and Sally. Really, I, I don't know of another couple um, who have uh, used their gifts in a complimentary way to lift up each other and lift up a church as well as Ed and Sally have. So I want to say a, a prayer of thanks and a blessing for them. Let's pray. Father, you have uh, been extremely generous and gracious to us to give us the gift of Ed and Sally for over three decades. Thank you so much for how they've encouraged us, Lord, for giving us such gospel-centered, fun, smart, awesome leaders to walk with us and help us to seek you. Father, I am thankful as well that Ed has agreed that after he has a month of retirement, he's actually going to come back and continue to help teach us and be part of our teaching team. Just another, uh, another example of your great goodness to us. Father, I ask that you just walk with Ed and Sally and that you would continue to bless them, continue to show them what's next in their lives, help them to finish well. May they continue to be an example for all of us to follow and help us to have the courage and strength and wisdom to follow. It's in your name we pray. Amen. This is actually a great picture for us as we, as we begin this morning. I believe it's actually a great picture of what many of us come here seeking this morning. We all want to live a good life. We all want to live a life that matters, a life that's important, a life that's successful. We want to live a life that when we get to the end or towards the end, it's worthy of remembering and worthy of celebrating. And if you're a parent in the room, you know that we all want this even more for our kids. We want our kids to have an even better life than the one we have, to have even greater opportunities than the ones we've enjoyed. I think not only do we want this, but deep down inside of us, each of us believes that we deserve this. Just think about what happens when somebody tries to get in the way of the life you're living or starts to threaten your happiness or your pursuit of liberty or all those sorts of things. We can easily get discouraged, frustrated, become even angry or hostile or confused. Deep down inside, we believe that our forefathers were right, that we were created with this, not only just with a certain unalienable right to pursue life, liberty, and happiness, but to actually possess it, to actually have it and to own it. 
because our forefathers were right about this, right? Because they learned this from their fathers, who learned this from their fathers, all the way back to the days of King Solomon, 900 years before Christ. All men and women have been created with this innate desire and knowledge that we were created for something insanely amazing, something wonderful, something more. There's a craving in our souls and a longing in our hearts. In fact, it's hardwired into us. God hardwired us for awesome. In the Old Testament book of Ecclesiastes, King Solomon reveals this great truth with these words. Chapter 3, verse 11, he says this, God has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. God has placed eternity in our hearts. What does that mean? I believe it means that deep down inside each one of us, we know that perfect goodness exists. It's out there. It's real. We can grab it. We can find it. And where it, We also know deep down inside us where it comes from and what it's like. We have an idea of what it looks like. And every time we taste it, we know this, because every time we taste it, we have to post it. We have to Snapchat it. We have to Instagram it. We have to share it. We have to like it. We have to, all those things, right? We, we taste it. We know it. We know it's out there. And we share it and we like it with others. And this knowledge, this deep knowledge, drives our pursuit of life, of liberty, of happiness. But there's a problem. Because even though we've been hardwired for awesomeness, as Alice taught in the sanctuary last week, we've also been programmed with an internal GPS. Its factory default is actually set to Adam and Eve. That was Solomon's story, and it's our story too. King Solomon was the son of King David. He had it all. He had everything. He had money, extreme wealth. He had power. He had women. He had luxury. He had intelligence and wisdom and opportunities for education. Some historians would say he is the richest man ever, anywhere, in all of time. Yet he believed there was something better out there. He was obsessed with finding out what was really good, what was truly good, and so he chased after it. He pursued every earthly pleasure. He pursued parties. He pursued uh, deep theology and wisdom and education and knowledge, and he had more fun, more success, more accomplishments, more experiences than any one of us could ever dream of having. He made the Kardashians and Wilt Chamberlain and Bill Gates look like they were junior varsity. Many would say Solomon had a really good life, but he didn't have the good life. His focus was too narrow. His GPS was set to the wrong settings. He didn't have the right maps. His maps were too small, his vision too narrow. He had tunnel vision, and he was focused on the here and now and bound by his physical circumstances. He was a lot like the people I see sitting in our car sometimes when we're waiting for our kids out of the junior high or the high school, and we're just like this, focused on this little bitty screen. That's how he was with his life. He was focused on the here and now. God had hardwired Solomon for awesome. He knew it existed, but his vision was far too narrow. We've got this same struggle ourselves, don't we? We know the good life exists. Many of us have heard Jesus' promise. We've heard his words spoken to us. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. And yet so often that's not what we're experiencing. A young mom receives a diagnosis of cancer. Longtime deer employee or supplier, somebody who works for deer, 
suddenly because of a crisis or an economic downturn, loses their job. Teenager at a party makes an impulsive decision and lives are forever changed. You're married for 20 plus years. Suddenly your marriage starts to fall apart. Businessman doing everything right, trying to run his business with integrity, all of a sudden is faced with a lawsuit or a smear campaign. Our lives have a tendency to get off course or to run into obstacles or challenges that weren't on the GPS, that we weren't expecting to be there. And when these things pop up, our focus tends to shrink. It just becomes too narrow and it's hard to see our way around or through or back to that good life. And instead of being encouraged by Jesus' promise, we're actually frustrated. Why am I not experiencing this good life that Jesus promised for me? The enemy starts to steal, kill, and destroy. Paul reminds us, though, that eternity matters. And this morning, as Doug and Dave come up to join me and, and teach us, we want to consider how this seed of eternity that God has placed in our hearts can actually empower us to live into the life Jesus has for us, to move further up and further into it. So I want to encourage you, as I invite Doug to join me on stage, to listen to these words that Paul writes in his second letter to the Corinthians, chapter 4, 17 to 18. Paul reminds us how perspective changes everything. He says that our troubles are light and momentary, and they're achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes on what is, not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Doug. Thanks, Jeff. So we wanted to bring a picture of this um, so you can kind of see what this looks like. And I, I want to share an illustration with you that actually uh, Francis Chan I think introduced probably 20-some years ago. What I want you to pretend is that this rope, this rope goes on forever. I could just keep pulling it and it would never stop. There's no end to that rope. Now, imagine that this rope is the timeline of your life and that you go on forever and ever too. And then this red part here, this red part is your life here on earth, here and now. A few short years here on earth and then forever somewhere else. This is your life. Now what blows me away is that so many times, so many of us, all we think about is this red part right here. We are consumed by this. We think, oh man, I can't wait until I get here. When I graduate or, or here when, when the kids grow up, move out of the house finally. Or, or I'm going to work, 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 save, 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 and then I'm going to hit retirement here and then I'm going to enjoy myself. Really? That's... All that there is? What about this? And what about this? What about all of that? All of eternity? The Bible teaches us that how I live doing this red part is going to determine how I exist 
for millions and millions and millions of years forever. So why would I spend so much of my energy, my time, my focus so narrowly on just this part, living comfortably in the here and now with any, without any thought of what's beyond it. The Apostle Paul says, this isn't what I fix my eyes on. This is what's seen. But we fix our eyes on what is unseen, what is eternal, not what's, what's temporary. Now here's the truth. We've got one shot at this. One. One shot. And then comes this. Eternity. You know, I don't know about you, but, but I don't want to be fooled. I don't want to live foolishly here so that I miss of what comes next. It's so tempting to just live for, for the red part, what's, what's temporary, and not to think about, about eternity. So what if we chose to allow this, to allow eternity to determine and affect how we lived in the here and now? What if we used our small span of life, the red part, here and now, to actually prepare for what comes next? What if we would lift up our eyes from what's seen and put our focus on what is unseen, what is forever, what is eternal? And what would that kind of perspective actually look like? Well, we're going to look at one example of what that perspective might look at. Let's watch this story together. My name is Don Cagle, and I have uh, four boys, and I think most people at church probably know that because we put ourselves in the front row every week. We're the ones who pop up because we spill hot chocolate every week and have to go wipe it up, which you're welcome. That's why we don't sit in the sanctuary. Um, but my life is as busy as Sunday is. Um, it's, but I'm beginning to appreciate the busyness in my life because if I had to sit still too long, I think the trials that I'm going through right now would be harder to deal with. And so I have uh, my own four little miracles that I think were given to me because of um, what I've been going through. I got diagnosed with stage four melanoma uh, last September. And uh, it was rather disappointing because uh, the bump that I had initially found, I was told twice was, uh, was something else with blood clot harmless but I had this perpetual nagging sensation that whatever that was didn't belong there I wanted it out and a week later I got a call saying I had melanoma and a week or two later I found out it was not just melanoma it was stage four melanoma so that was really shocking um, my family history I don't really know hardly anybody in my family that has cancer I know friends and other people with cancer but it was it was something completely blindsided and I'm I'm not a sun worshiper I'm pretty pasty most of the time so this is kind of a shocker cancer to be saddled with, just completely unexpected. One of my worst experiences was my best God experience. Um, I got really malnourished from one of my cancer treatments and I ended up hospitalized, got released, and literally 24 hours later 
I got such a bad infection from my stay there that I ended up back in the ER and my symptoms were so bad they thought I was having an aneurysm. So I got this emergency MRI and on my MRI, um, unfortunately, they found melanoma in my brain. There was no cause, no plan um, for my doctors to even look in my head. And once they found that, um, and I met with the neurologist, he said, you know, literally a month later, these would have grown to a size where you could have potentially had, you know, permanent damage or permanent symptoms. And he said, you know, this is the time to treat this and this is the time to do it. And and even as I'm laying there, and the eye infection was not fun, pretty painful, along with everything else that was um, that I was already going through, because I was already there because I was sick. But um, to be laying in bed, feeling like your eye wants to explode, but praising God for it, it's, um, it's an experience. I, God can bless you, but it doesn't have to feel good. The other blessings that came out, it was orchard and it was my children's school and it was my neighbors and my friends and it got to the point in my family and everybody was being so kind and giving and generous and helpful that I literally started bawling every time somebody did something nice for me. It became so overwhelming but in the best of ways and so it, it just made me feel like God was there through so many of his foot soldiers here that um, I just felt like I was being held even though things still didn't feel good. Things still don't feel good. But I, I know he's there. I don't feel abandoned. I, I would like, you know, everybody would like a date that says, you know, this day, this is going to all be done and you're going to feel better. And I know I don't get that. But all these experiences, I, I just feel closer now. And I don't think he's done with me yet. You know, I, I've had some doors closed treatment-wise, but then treatments they didn't expect would work they try on me and then that works for a while and so you know I just I, I definitely feel closer closer than I ever have and it's I can see now how people say cancer is sometimes the best thing that could have happened to them regardless of the outcome it just changes you it just brings a lot of perspective that you can sit here and try to pinpoint an expiration date or what might happen but to sit around and think, well, if Jesus loved me more, it wouldn't. I, I just don't believe that. I, I mean, I just believe you love your kids, love them every day. You know, stop waiting to make up for things. Just do the best that you can all the time. And frankly, it's just easier when you have Jesus. It's easier when you have a devotion and you open up and go, how did it know? That's exactly what I needed that day. For people who don't have a church community, then I feel like they have a big disturbance. Or when I think of people who are going through, I, I'm going through, but they don't have good health insurance or they don't have people who are coming to help. I mean, that saddens me so much because this is hard enough with support. And so um, to not give Jesus a try, I'm thinking this is like, you know, this is a free offer. Give it a go. You're not going to lose anything, you know, so... Did you hear this in Don sharing? Did, did you hear Don say, cancer has given me perspective? Did you hear her say, when you're here, love your kids every day? Did you hear her say, I don't know how people do this without Jesus? Did you hear her say, give Jesus a try? He's the answer. He's the answer not just for here, but for here.
He's the answer. He's the answer. Did you hear that? So what do we take home from this? What do we take home, Orchard Hill Church? A couple things. We got to keep this in mind. We got to find ways in our cars and our workplaces and our homes to keep this in mind. That this life is short. Some of you are bearing a dad and a grandpa tomorrow. We got to keep in mind. This is short. And this is forever. And then we got to teach it to our children and our grandchildren. We got to take every opportunity we have to say to them, this life is good and this life is the good life and it's life to the full and it's life Jesus wants to use. But there's more. And then we need to live with our friends and our neighbors and our co-workers in a way that invites them to discover this. And Orchard Hill Church, one more thing. I need you to know that this church has this in mind every single day. That there's an answer to eternity, and that answer is Jesus, and he's the one way to a life of heaven, to a life with God. I went driving by the youth group the other night, and we were having like a uh, beginning bash for the school year. Hundreds of kids out on this field by the church. They were eating burgers. They were uh, uh, playing two courts of volleyball. There was some soccer. There was some frisbee. And so I thought, fix your eyes not on what is seen. What is seen was several hundred kids. But on what is unseen. What was unseen in that field? Every one of those children. Every one of those students was an ever-living, never-dying soul. And there's a battle, a spiritual battle going on for their futures. And there were 50 youth directors out in that field, youth directors and volunteers. And their unseen goal was to help every one of those students take a next step towards Jesus. I looked in Mom's Morning Out Wednesday morning. And there were 40 moms in the room. And they were having great conversation and great interaction. And there were like 70, 80 kids out in the gym and the other childcare rooms. And that's what we saw. But what was unseen? A ministry designed to help moms go home and teach these truths of Jesus to their children and build homes settled on Jesus. So those of you who are part of Orchard, I invite you to give to volunteer, to pray, to help us be salt and light in the community to keep taking this message, the message of Jesus. He's the one we need to move from here to here. Now, we were asking, what are we going to do at this point at the gathering? We were in my office, we were saying, what, what, what do you do at this very point? And then we said, well, it's easy. You pray. You pray. And so we're going to pray. And we're going to pray in a way we don't always do at Orchard. I'm going to ask Dan and Dawn to come up, and Doug and Jeff, and we're going to lay hands on this couple who were just in the video, and we're going to pray for them. But not just for them. Because we know in this room right now, there are people who have health concerns, just like Dawn. And what we're going to do in a moment is ask any of you with health concerns that are on your heart to just stand up, and we're going to pray for you and your health concerns. But here's the other thing. There are those of you who are in the room who have a loved one who has health concerns and couldn't even get here today. 
There are those of you in the room who like could stand as a representative of that need. And so we're going to ask you, just if you would, as we pray for them and lay hands for them, we're going to say a specific prayer for those who are standing up representing a health care need. And so if that's you, I'm just going to invite you to stand. Go ahead, stand, and remain standing now until we pray. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you. Now, let, let me raise one more issue. We know that a whole bunch of you are losing your jobs. We know that some of you have worked for John Deere for a time, and you've got the pink slip. And we want to pray for economic needs. And so uh, if, if we can help, if we can pray for you economically, because we know there's hardly ever a burden on a parent as big as getting a pink slip and saying, in two months, I don't know where my income's coming from. So if that's you, you have an economic need or uncertainty, we're going to ask you just to stand. Maybe it's a college student who has no clue how they're going to do the money for their books or the tuition next year. And then uh, if there's anyone in the room with a relational issue, we're going to invite you to stand because we're going to pray for relational issues. Like Jeff shared in his, it's like uh, there's uh, 20-year marriages that are not going the right way. There are parents and kids who don't have the relationship they need to have, so go ahead and stand. And then one more group of people we're going to invite to stand. We've had a good, strong number of people give their lives to Jesus in the past months. At camps, on caravan. Uh, and if you're in the room, we would like you to stand so we can pray for those of you who are new to faith. And so if that's you, just go ahead and stand. We're going to pray for you. And w one more thing. Uh, if you'd like to come to Jesus right now, we're going to invite you to stand. Because uh, Jesus is the one who takes us from this life into a positive eternity. And so if you would uh, do that, I would ask you to stand. And now before we move to prayer, one more thing. In the church, people shouldn't stand alone. So if there's someone around you and you could like be, a, be an encouragement to them and you just stand up and slip and put your hand on their shoulder and just say, hey, you're not alone. We're going to pray for you. So I'm going to give you permission for that. We're going to do all the praying. Somebody said, well, if I put my hand on someone's shoulder, do I have to pray? No. You're just saying you're not alone. You're not alone. So if you would, uh, some of you would like, just put, reach up, put a hand on a shoulder and say, hey, you're not alone in this deal. The church of Jesus is with you. The church of Jesus will pray for you. Okay, let's pray. Father, it's such a privilege to be able to speak to you, to be able to come to you in those most vulnerable times in our life. We bring, we bring needs to you this morning, real needs. We pray for our friend Don, for husband Dan, for the boys. God, we believe you are a God of, of good and perfect gifts that you have the power to bring wholeness and healing into any broken situation. We pray for healing for Dawn. We pray that she would be well. We pray that this treatment that she's going through right now would be successful. We pray for Dan. 
pray for the family, for the boys, parents that are, are loving them, are loving her, are standing with her, caring for her. I pray the same thing for everyone who's standing right now in the room, bringing you their own health, medical needs, and also those of people that they love. We pray for wholeness. We pray for health. We pray that you would step in in a powerful, miraculous way and bring wholeness. We know it's within your power. We submit to your will. We ask for your Spirit's presence and love and grace. Father, I thank you for the gift of your Son, Jesus, who conquered the grave, who is the reason that we have hope when everything seems hopeless, who uh, won for us and gives to us this gift of eternal life. Father, I thank you so much. You are the God who leaves the 99 to go find the one lost sheep. You are the God who stands on the porch and looks the return of your prodigal son. You are always seeking and searching and you are seeking and searching in this room right now. We thank you for those who have, you, who you have, who have found you and seen you and responded to your call and your invitation to, to receive the gift that you offer to them. Lord, I know there are others here in this room who maybe haven't done that yet. Pray that this would be a moment, Lord, where they hear you, they hear your voice clearly speaking right to them, the invitation to come, to come to you, to receive the gift that Jesus has to offer them, the gift of eternal life and hope and grace and mercy and forgiveness. May they accept that and step into a life with you. Father, we lift before you those with economic needs especially, Father, those who have lost their jobs or are losing their jobs. Father, bring peace and resources and hope into those homes, into those lives. And Father, bring partners who help them, sent by you into their lives. And Father, those who stood because of relational struggles. We pray for homes and marriages we pray for relationships between uh, husbands and wives, children and their parents, children and their grandparents, neighbors, co-workers, partners. Father, uh, bless them. Keep those folks. Help them know what it is you would have them be the next step. And Father, we are so grateful to have a God that we can pray to and that you have promised that you will hear us and you will answer. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. You may have a seat. And we're going to uh, listen as Michael sings a song that's about eternity. He's the first and the last.
You hold the reins on the sun and the moon Like horses driven by kings You cover the mountains, the valleys below With the breath of your mighty wings Treasures of wisdom and things to be known Are hidden inside your hand And in this fortunate turn of events You ask me to be your friend You ask me to be your friend
Let's stand together and continue in worship.
this morning, wherever you're going today or this week, that's our prayer. We just sang it. Did you catch it? Awake the kingdom seed in us. Awake the seed of eternity in our hearts that it might encourage us and empower us to fix our eyes not on what is seen, not on this little bit, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary. Those, those hardships, those struggles, those are, those are momentary. But this, this is eternal. Jesus is eternal. Jesus has conquered the grave and he's coming back. So look up and take that good news to others. Amen? Amen. Amen. Have a great week.